It's not greedy like the tree next to it that sucks up all. <laughs> sure. Sorry. Okay. Walnut shells. <laughs> Walnut shells. I'm sorry. I'm making this hard for you. But I'm cute. From Boogie Land Media, this is On Carlson Drive, a dusty little dirt road of memories from the wit and whimsy of Wendy Bonifield. Today's episode, My Neighbor's Tree. I was almost home from my walk, and I was thinking about the David Wilcox concert I had recently attended. One of his songs has the line, It's the beauty that saves me. It was a new song, and I heard it there for the first time. I loved that song. As I was walking along, looking at the beauty around me, I was noticing a field of dandelions. I'm not one who hates dandelions. I would happily have a yard full of weeds. Actually, I I do have a yard full of weeds. I like the yellow flowers of the dandelions. One of my favorite pastimes as a child and with my children was taking the stems of the dandelions and making curly cues. But I have never been a fan of the look of them when they go to seed. Yes, I will admit that it is fun to blow them into the wind, but I have always thought once they got to that point, they were kind of ugly. But as I passed this field full of dandelions, the sun was shining on the puffs just right. It was mildly magical, and I gained a new appreciation for them. My I'm-going-to-notice-all-the-beauty-around-me mood helped me transform that field of weeds into a magical fairy field. I know most people hate dandelions. My father-in-law engages in total war with them. He will grumble at his neighbors if they have them in their yards. If they're in their yards, one wind, and then they'll be in my yard. And this little bit of musing about dandelions has undoubtedly generated a snarky comment from him. As I walked on, I was thinking that it didn't just have to be physical beauty. There is much that is beautiful that we cannot see. Which got me thinking about my dad. I don't think anyone would have called him beautiful. Now, I've seen pictures of him when he was young and he was handsome. He had a kind face with wonderful laugh lines around his eyes, but I don't think one would call him beautiful. Although many could name beautiful things about him. During the concert, David Wilcox asked us how we are doing. He said, now, if we were in a big rock concert, we would all yell and cheer. But he wanted to know how we were really doing. He wanted us to talk to him. Then he would share a song that fit the mood, or he said he might even write one on the spot. People started saying stupid things, like being unhappy with our current leadership. David handled it nicely and steered clear of politics. I wanted to say something about my dad, but I'm a big chicken, so I didn't. 
I would have loved to hear what his music would have had to say about my thoughts about the loss of my dad. I wanted to say I had just recently lost my dad. While I feel overwhelming sorrow and sadness at losing him, I also feel gratitude and thankfulness that he was my father. And as I walked along, thinking about how I wish I had said something, I was stopped in my tracks. My neighbor had chopped down her tree. I stood there in the middle of the road, in the intersection, actually, and stared. I loved that tree. I don't know what kind of tree it was. It was different from all the other trees around the neighborhood. It was the first one to leaf out in the spring. It would start to have green little buds all over it before anything else was thinking about turning green. It was right in the corner of her yard. I had noticed it was looking a little sad, and and she had had to do some hard pruning on it last spring. It was a rough winter, but it did green up the spring, but I could tell that it was not doing well. I was hoping it would make a comeback. I stood there, looking at the stump, sad that it was gone. Tears started to come, along with a few cars, so I continued home. By the time I got home, I was in full weeping mode, feeling a little silly that I was weeping about a tree, but knowing that it wasn't really about the tree. It was about my dad, who I lost in October, and my mother-in-law, who we lost in February. It's about my uncle, my Uncle Dave, who, as I write this, is coming to the end of his life. All who, of course, I loved so much more than a tree. The tree is clearly a representation of it all, isn't it? Each of them brought their own beauty and individuality to the world and to my life. Each of them played important but different roles in my life. Just as I knew in my heart that that tree was not going to make it, I hoped I was wrong, that it would bounce back. I felt the same way about my dad after his last surgery. Just like I know my Uncle Dave will soon lose his fight. I wrote this melancholy beginning about three years ago, and it has been sitting on my computer waiting for some kind of conclusion. I think about this little story when I pass by my neighbor's house and see the stump of the tree, grown over by flowers she has planted around the stump. I think about my Uncle Dave, who did pass away shortly after I noticed the tree. I was reminded of this story last week when we had a violent thunderstorm, and the next day as I was walking along the path, stepping over fallen branches and broken sticks, I was shocked to see a giant tree fallen in the field. Now, on this part of the path, one side is lined with trees that follow the creek. The other side is an open field, often used for little guy soccer. And this tree was one of the few trees on that side of the path, bringing shade to the parents who sat along the sidelines. In my current introspective mood, it was a somber reminder that life can be taken from us suddenly without warning. Or how about the tree in the park, the one that changes early before all the others? It always signaled the beginning of the change of seasons. It was a lovely tree, beautifully shaped, with lovely color in the fall. 
the first in a row of trees along the softball fields where the old men play softball in the early mornings before the summer heat takes over. The tree leafed out this spring, but as spring moved into summer, it began to drop its leaves. Now it is completely dead. I will miss that harbinger of fall. I often think about trees as people, like this sweet gum tree in my front yard. It's a pretty tree. It gives my house some lovely shade. It's not greedy like the tree next to it that sucks up all the moisture around it. But it drops many, 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 many prickly balls on the ground. I hate these things. They make it difficult to walk in the yard with bare feet. They gather in piles around the tree, killing whatever grows under them. They litter the driveway. They make a heavy refuse bag. I hate them. But I don't hate the tree. I know people who are like this tree. They are nice enough people who work hard at their job or are good neighbors. But maybe they can be a little prickly, dropping negative comments that can litter a relationship. Or those mulberry trees that make a mess wherever they are or a pretty redbud tree that radiates joy. We had two black walnut trees in the backyard of our first house. They were big, strong, beautiful trees, but they dropped walnuts all over the place. Don't picture a yard full of walnuts cased in nice little shells. Walnut shells are covered in a fibrous husk, so what falls in your yard are two inch or so green balls. But walnuts are useful, unlike those infernal prickly balls. There used to be a scout troop that would gather all the walnuts from our neighborhood and husk and shell them and sell them as a fundraiser. What kind of person would be a walnut tree? I'm not the only person to personify trees. Shel Silverstein's book, The Giving Tree, is about a tree that gives itself completely to his friend that he loves. We often talk about tall trees in our lives, people who formed us in some way, someone who invested in us. It makes me go back to what I said before about the David Wilcox song. It's the beauty that saves us. Like trees, people are messy, but there is something beautiful in all of us. I want to be that kind of person, the person who sees the beauty in everyone. Truthfully, I'm not a people person. I am happier among the trees. I think one of my favorite places I have ever visited was the Redwood Forest in California. Randy patiently waited and let me sit among the trees. Randy is a people person. He doesn't think he is, but he definitely is. He makes friends wherever he goes. Maybe that's why I think of trees as people. If I can love people like I love trees, I will be a person of grace. It's like that sweet gum tree. Most of my neighbors have chopped them down out of their yards. I still hold on to my tree, even with those infernal prickly balls. Would I do the same with a person just as prickly? My dad... My mother-in-law and my Uncle Dave were all very tall trees in my life, and their loss has left some giant holes in my metaphorical forest. 
I will resist the urge to assign a comparison tree to each of these people. Because all my musing aside, people are more complicated than trees. Maybe that's why I love trees so much. Guess what? Our favorite guest is back, and that is my husband, Randy. I know that we just had him speak last week, but you guys all like him, right? So it's okay. Welcome back. Thank you. (laughs) We kind of decided to have him talk about this again because um, this story, I think we've talked about this story as um, sort of a a setup for some of the episodes that are to come. Yeah. So I'm, I'm the person sitting on the other side listening and there just seems to be a real thread that this particular story begins to weave. I don't know. Maybe this is going to soften the blow from maybe, maybe we're going to talk about a little bit harder yeah. Subjects. As we listen to it again, I was hearing a lot of processing yeah. that it was taking place. In this story, you admit that this story sat on your computer for three years. And I think that what we're about to kind of walk through on, on Carlson Drive is the result of three or four years of processing. Yeah, because there's a couple stories coming up about my dad and... um his passing and um, even before this, even before I started doing this podcast, he had already gone. He had already left us. And I just, I just wasn't ready to talk about it. Wasn't ready to say anything about it. I think you had to fight through writing these stories to get to the other side, to write some others, but they took a long time for you to write. Yeah. Partly because you were afraid to. You know, the thing is, is that, There are events in your life, like the loss of my dad. There was no way I could do justice to that, to his life. Because I've got two episodes about my dad where I just sort of talk about dad and who he was, what it was like growing up with him, and then I talk about his death. And I am just not even close to a good enough writer that I felt like I could capture who he was, that I could capture the loss that I felt and the loss that I knew that my family felt. I just didn't think I could capture that time, that real time of absolute grief when we were going through his illness. And I just didn't want to try and write it because I knew I wouldn't do it justice. Um, I still don't feel like I did. I listened to these episodes that I wrote and the the episode I talk about my dad and I go, that's not sufficient. That is not sufficient for who he was, for how I felt about him. It's just not good enough. And the same with the episode I wrote about his passing. I'm like, that's just not good enough. But at a certain point I had to be like, I'm never going to be able to achieve good enough. On these episodes, because that stops us from doing everything, right? I can't do it unless it's perfect, and it's just never going to be perfect. So I could only put down what I could do. I This is who I am. This is how I write. This is how I process. So 
I need to write about it and I need to process it. When we hear those two episodes, know that <laughs> they're, they're only just a little meager, meager attempt to capture who he was. And I'm proud of you for putting in the work to process it out loud yeah. with people. Because I think much like what we've always said about your podcast is, is by telling your story, you're allowing other people to think through their own stories right. and address or process their own. So I think in the next few weeks, they're going to feel that with you, but they're also going to hopefully have an opportunity to process their own stories. My favorite comments about my podcast when anybody says that they listen to an episode or whatever is when they say something like, it made me think about my, whatever it happened to be, but it made me think about my grandmother or about the time when that same thing happened to me. So, and we've all lost somebody dear to us and we've walked through illnesses with other people. So I think this is also another reminder of how grief can come up and catch you at the weirdest moments. <laughs> so you're, you're describing walking through the neighborhood and seeing a tree and that, or, or not seeing the tree, actually. The, the loss, the of, loss the tree. of that tree. And it sparking something, uh, an emotion in you that you didn't expect. Right, yeah. That is like the perfect metaphor for how grief works. It's true. It just kind of sneaks up on you. I've often thought about saying something to my neighbor about her tree. I, um, she's kind of, I don't know her really well because she's actually on the other, on our other street. So she's not on our street, but she's on the next street over. So I know her, but I don't know her well. And <laughs> there have been times when I wanted to say something to her about her tree, but I thought, no, because I'll get stupid emotional about it. And she'll be like, uh, yeah, it's just a tree. <laughs> it was just a, but what's really neat now is just recently she started to grow flowers in it, right? Yeah. Well, she's always planted flowers around it, but I think it's been long enough. Oh, wow. This is so, oh, so deep and introspective here. It's been long enough that the stumps she's been able to sort of grind up the stump and now it's more dirt and she has planted flowers um, in that spot, a nice little garden right there in the spot where the tree used to be. I'm not usually the, um, the introspective sort of deep thinker about things. You know, I like, I'll watch a movie and I'm like, I'm watching a movie and you're like the guy who says, Oh, who do you think that character represents? I'm like, I think it's just a character who's walking down the street. Why do you have to be so deep? <laughs> but I felt a little more introspective and you know thoughtful about this, I guess. I've also had that sort of thought about people as trees in my brain for a long time. Just kind of thought about that. Like our tree in the backyard that um, if it gets too hot and dry, it just sheds all it bar all. Alls. Alls, it's bark. <laughs> Say that again. Um, I am a professional. It just sheds all its bark. It just, poof, all. And so we have this bark all over our yard. I remember the first time it did that when we were here. I was like, oh, no, our giant tree is going to die. 
It's shedding its bark. And then I realized, no, it's just throwing a giant temper tantrum. It's just the tree. Uh. It's too hot. (laughs) I don't like it. How would you categorize some of the people in your life? (laughs) As Uh, trees. As trees, yeah. I think I touched on it a little bit, like the redbud trees, Mm -hmm. which are just lovely trees. They just bloom. They bring such color and joy. And we all know people like that who we all want to be around because they're just lovely people. An oak tree is this beautiful, strong tree that grows, but it drops these little acorns, which can be a nuisance, but they're do we love the tree more than we love the sort of nuisance of these little acorns? But if you were in a forest, the acorn would actually be pretty productive because it would either start a new oak tree or it would feed squirrels. Yes, so. absolutely. I mean, and that's the same thing with like a black walnut tree. Well, and even these horrible prickly ball trees, the prickly balls are the seeds. They have all the little seeds in them. They're just horrible ways to plant the seed. Yeah. Why couldn't they have come up with something? Oh, they. 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 The tree gods. (laughs) (laughs) As in? The people who are, you know, creating the CGI of this world. (laughs) They they could have come up with a better plan for the, the way the seed hits the ground. It could have been smaller, you know, much nicer. And not. Horrible little prickly balls. Well, and the same thing with these um, sycamore trees. Mm -hmm. Is that there's sycamore trees with those puff balls? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Those things are, they just get every, what kind kind of person is a sycamore tree, right? That their puff ball gets up in your nose? (laughs) The puff ball is is scratchy and I'm allergic to it. And I don't know, that's dumb. I'm not. <laughs> Those people are dumb. Those are just the dumb people. I don't know. <laughs> See, that's where the problem breaks down with really getting every, into every metaphor breaks down. Every yeah, I mean, when you really just sit because people are way more complicated than trees. I think about you in the redwoods and how It wasn't any one particular tree that we could name or anything, but to sit under one tree for a long time and just take it all in is different than looking at the vast forest of of the redwoods. And I think that's the way it is with people, too. Yeah, you know, that's really a good thought, because when you just look over humanity, it's just sort of this blur And the same with a forest. You look at a big forest and you just see many trees. But when you really get into the forest and you see each individual tree, it's the same for people, each individual person. I mean, yes, we are all part of humanity, but we're all each our own person. We're each our own tree. When I think of the stories that you're telling and that we're about to embark on, to me, they're, they're the kind of stories about you know, that one tree in the forest and how it had such an incredible impact on you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, the joy and the reminder that the relationships you have around you are such, have such a, a large impact on you. We've talked a little bit before about 
how oftentimes we see this world as the this big thing or you want to accomplish this big thing and the reality is that that the the greatest impact you have is this little thing this right little in front of you yeah. and my mom's impact on her family uh, or your your dad's impact on us is incredibly profound it it may be a tree in the midst of a forest but to us it's like the most meaningful tree the, the special place where you go and you know that that that's that's your tree This episode of On Carlson Drive was produced for Boogieland Media by Randy and Wendy Bonifield and distributed through our friends at podbean.com. All stories were written, edited, and narrated by Wendy Bonifield. All original music and music arrangements are written and performed by Randy Bonifield. Remember to subscribe and please like, add, friend, and review this podcast wherever you find us. Follow On Carlson Drive on Facebook and Instagram at username on Carlson Drive. And be sure to visit our website at oncarlsondrive.com. Special thanks to all our friends and families who, unbeknownst to them, were writing the stories we tell simply by living them. Join us in two weeks for a new episode. Until then, thank you for listening to On Carlson Drive. <laughs>